And welcome to another episode of the Shelf Care Interview. I'm Sarah Hunter, editor of the Books for Youth and Graphic Novel sections at Booklist Magazine. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of talking with Dan Abdo and Jason Patterson, authors of and illustrators of Barb and the Ghost Blade, the second installment in the series that began with Barb, the Last Berserker. Special thanks to Simon & Schuster Children's Publishing for sponsoring this podcast. So let's say hello to Dan and Jason. Dan Abdo and Jason Patterson are longtime partners, best friends, and co-creators of the animated comedy series Rocket Monkeys. Their credits also include developing shows for Disney, Sesame Workshop, Fox, and Nickelodeon, not to mention directing lots and lots of animated commercials. But of course, today we are here to talk about the indefatigable Barb. So Dan and Jason, tell me a little bit about your inspiration for Barb. That was such a great intro. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Indefatigable. Indefatigable. How do you say it? that's such a great word? I wish I could say it. <laughs> Indefatigable. Indefatigable. Oh man, that's awesome. It just means like tireless, which I would say is true about Barb. A hundred percent. I feel like that's spot on. It's like Jason and I, we were we're always like coming up with ideas. We're always like trying to figure out like what the next story is we're going to tell and kind of like what medium we're going to tell it in. And for a long time, we were kind of coming up with like show and film ideas. And we decided that we wanted to do something that we could just like make on our own, that we didn't have to have a crew, didn't have to ask a bunch of permission. And so we started like throwing ideas around and kind of that's Barb developed out of that. We like knew that we wanted to do something in like the fantasy swords and sorceries world. We knew that we wanted to have this like female protagonist who was like this total badass and yeah, just kind of developed from there. Yeah, I feel like it started with a sketch of this character and she had wild hair and she had a bandana and she had a sword. And like, that was all we really knew about her. Like Dan said, we love to play in like fantasy and genre. And I feel like we we kind of like bumped into Barb and we just followed her into this amazing world and it just kept unfolding. It was a really fun, creative experience where I think we went into writing these series without like a huge like master plan or like a <laughs> really super considered idea we were just following barb and all these other characters kind of like her world just started unfolding before us and it was really super exciting and, and fun and 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 also scary <laughs> yeah the sword and sorcery tropes are are all over these books and i'm wondering if you can speak to some of the stories you were directly directly referencing or anything that you sort of wanted to leave behind from the sword and sorcery genre yeah, I mean, it's like we, you know, we grew up reading The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and loving like Conan the Barbarian and Gru and all that stuff. I don't know. I remember always when I was a kid on the playground being like, okay, I'm going to be this character and you're going to be that character. And I'm going to be, you know, Michelangelo from Teenage Mutant Turtles or you're going to be, you know, Han Solo from Star Wars. Jason and I both have kids and have daughters. And I remember we were like, who are our kids? Who are our daughters going to be like? And so we were like, okay, let's create this like Barb character who is like, She's wild. She's got this like crazy energy in her. She makes mistakes, but she's always trying to do the right thing. It's like there was all these things that we knew we wanted in a hero, you know, that you see in like those fantasy stories. And we just tried to like infuse Barb with as much of that cool stuff as we could. And I think like one of the touchstones, we were talking a lot about He-Man. It was such a great, you know, animated kids show when we were growing up. But there's a real awesome message in it, which was like He-Man grabs his sword and he says, I have the power. <laughs> and so I think part of like wanting to have like this strong female character in the story is we wanted like girls out there to have that kind of character say, I have the power. 
which feels like a really cool thing to be able to like tell a kid, right? Like Dan and I have been to some conventions and stuff. And when we're signing our bar books, we usually say, you know, you have the power, whoever it is, because I think that's something that kids are always told they don't have a lot of power. They have to follow rules. They have no money. <laughs> you know, they're kind of like, they can't get rides anywhere. There's a lot of stuff they can't do. So it's fun for, I remember it's fun for me as a kid, like in He-Man and being like, oh my gosh, what if I had that sword? I would have the power. So to kind of try to like channel a little of that into our kids' generation would be like, that seems like a really cool thing to be able to do. Yeah, and that definitely comes to the fore in Barb and the Ghost Blade, but I won't spoil the ending. <laughs> I'll just like leave a tantalizing little hint out there, but that that's like an important plot point. So tell me a little bit about the origin story of your collaboration, because you've worked on lots and lots of projects together. Dan and I grew up in Vermont, Montpelier, Vermont together, and we started hanging out in the back of the independent it was called the independent art room. It was behind the regular art room. And it was basically just a closet with <laughs> no windows. I think there was a window they boarded up in the seventies for like energy reasons. I was kind of a nerdy dork. Like I was in the student council and Dan had like these super baggy pants and he was a skateboarder, but we both loved Ninja Turtles and we loved comics and we would just hang out back there and draw. And it was just this kind of like, it became this little secret escape pod for us in the midst of high school and growing up that we could just, hang out and sit elbow to elbow and just draw all these silly, fun worlds, I guess, that we got to kind of share and inhabit. We were variations of nerdy dorks. We were two very distinct variations of nerdy dorks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was dorkier than Dan. Dan was way less dorkier than me. He could, <laughs> he could skateboard. I could not skateboard. <laughs> I don't know. I think that could be contested. But yeah, no, it's like we, I remember <laughs> fast friends, you know, it's like we, there was a boom box back there that kids would bring their cassettes in, you know, like their mixtapes. And we'd like play music back there and draw, you know, comics and come up with our own comics. And it did feel like it was this kind of special place where you could just kind of like, you know, let your freak flag fly and, and, and do whatever you want. And we had an awesome art teacher. We had a great art teacher who was like really encouraging and like really like kind of, you know, supported us and championed us. After we created Barb, we realized that our art teacher had wild hair and like a, da a sparkle in her eye and her name was Barb. So I think we have like a shared collective unconscious and <laughs> Barb definitely came out of that too, I think. That's very delightful. I was about to ask, are there, are there any like lingering things from those early collaborating years that make their way into your later work? But you just answered that question for me. It's Barb. <laughs> It was so funny. We didn't even know it. Like, I remember Jason pointed it out, like, you know, I don't know, months after the first Barb books were published. And he was like, oh, my gosh, this is just like Barb, our old teacher. And I was like, holy smokes, you're right. It was just this, like, she's just this character, like, you know, in our subconscious. She was really special. She was like a really special teacher. And she was kind of similar in a lot of ways where she just had this, like, crazy energy. She was just like, and yeah, I mean, like the art room. I mean, we like went to a public high school, you know, like it wasn't anything fancy, but like the art room kind of felt like this place where you could like figure stuff out, you know, which I think is really important for kids. Like, I think it's really important for kids to have a space where they can go and like try stuff out and explore and express themselves. One thing that was so cool about her too, is that she really took art seriously, which was really made it seem special because, you know, there's the football team that's serious, like math is serious, science, like that's how you make stuff. But art can also be seen as just like something to fill 45 minutes but for her it was like she, it was really serious she'd let like have models come in and we would draw them she'd always have like still life set up she had like this huge kiln she was always like 
trying to throw different media in front of people. And she was like, really like took it really seriously. It was made it really special. That's so cool. That's a really good segue to my next question, which is like most of your, I think the vast majority of your projects are all very silly and fun. And I'm wondering if you can talk about why you think fun is so important for, I'm, I mean, obviously you write for kids, but I think it's important for adults too. Can you talk about the role of fun and why it's important? Silly like means a lot to us. And I, we kind of believe there's like a, a real deficit of silliness in the world. <laughs> and like, we're trying to add some more to it, you know? And it's like, I don't know. It just feels like it's really easy to get down on, I don't know. It's, it's easy to let like the weight of the world kind of like, you know, weigh you down and like a little respite from that, a little bit of silliness, a little bit of absurdity. I love that. Like I love seeing that in other art and writing. And so it's like, if we can bring a little bit of that to the table, it just feels like we're on the right path. Yeah, totally. It's like silly kind of pushes against like (laughs) the sadness of the world, I guess. Like the stuff that Dan and I like the most, there's always like a thread of silliness in it. Like Princess Bride has like a great like take on, it's kind of this dark, sad world, but like the characters are so silly and buoyant that it really kind of like pushes against that. And it creates a great like kind of like tension in the work, I think, when it's like a little bit dark, but then there's someone who's like making fun of the darkness a little bit. Yeah, I would I would say I feel like Jason kind of is like is the master of that too. Like I mean, I feel like my nature. I don't know if you've seen any of our Blue Grand Pancake books too, but like there's a character named Barry who's this frog, and he's like real anxious. He's like got lots of worries and is really concerned about lots of stuff. And it's like I feel like that's if like I was left to my own devices, like that would be me all the time. But to have like silliness thrown in there with like pancakes or pork chop or all these other crazy characters. Like Jason really, I feel like brings that to the table and it's like, ah, oh, it's just like a little bit of light. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you're shining light into the basement. It's like, you need that a little bit. You can't worry about everything all the time. <laughs> but I feel like we do have one, real, that's really sweet, Dan, but I feel like we have, we do have one worry hat that we take turns wearing. And sometimes I'll put it on and be like, this is never going to work. This is impossible. And it's, and it's totally to Dan, like Dan championed us to do blueberry pancakes. I feel like sometimes one of us is like, has the glowing sword and is leading the way through the darkness. And the other one is like, we're never going to make it. And then we, we switch roles. <laughs> Literally no more snacks in this backpack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's time to turn back. It also seems like thinking a little bit about like the freedom of that art classroom, that being playful and having fun and being silly gives you more leeway to like experiment and try new stuff without the weight or pressure of, you know, excelling on your shoulders. I feel like that's important too for a lot of kids, especially kids who are like looking at art and looking at comics and feeling inspired to draw comics, knowing that they don't have to, you know, do it really hard right away, I think is really freeing. And I think that was something that Dan and I took forever to understand, but it's like when we were drawing the first Barb comic, it wasn't perfect. It was like a a little scribbly and a little weird and stuff wasn't perfect, but it was a thing that we could make. And at, at a certain point through, we're like, this is how we're going to just draw this. <laughs> it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to look like this. And that was great when we're pitching those shows to executives or something. It's like you show them something and it's like immediately all of these reasons why it doesn't work. And when we show stuff to kids, kids have the exact opposite reaction, which is so cool. Like kids lean in and they're like, this is amazing. I want to draw this. Like they're instantly on board and excited. And it's like, there's like a magic in that, that I feel like you as an artist, you can be in danger of losing, you know, you should never 
just doubt yourself. I think just jumping in unprepared is is a great start. <laughs> I feel like kids are really good at knowing whether or not you're having fun too. And I think that's something that comes out in your books is that like you can tell that you're having fun when you're making them. And I think that adds to the silliness on the page. I mean, I'm so psyched to hear you say that because it's like, I feel like one thing that we're, that we're trying to do, or that would be so awesome if, if it happened, is that like when kids read our stories, if they felt like they were spending time with friends, like that would, that's like the pinnacle for me. You know, I get to spend all day drawing these stories with like my best friend. And like, I want kids to be able to like pick up one of these books and be like, like kind of settle into like hanging out with their friends again. You know, it's like, that's totally how I felt when I was a kid reading comics, like picking up like um, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic or picking up like Calvin and Hobbes. It feels like you're like settling in with friends, you know? So yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> well, I think that's all the time we have for today. It was really great talking to you about comics and fun and art and your very excellent art teacher. And thanks also to our sponsor, Simon & Schuster Children's Publishing, for making this podcast possible. That's all for now. Hope you're getting ready to read something wonderful. 